when, when the father, the one who is our own father, when he decided in his awesomeness to create a particular being and share his name with that being, there was something God had in mind. If you look at how God does things, God always, like we said this morning, you know, when she came out to give the testimony of Obiageli, um, you become the reality of what God names you, which means that you, you have the DNA to become what God named you. In my years of study, I, I, I find it very interesting that the father himself will choose to create a special set of people that he would share his name with. And it, it's not just a, for lack of a better word, it's not just a, a name or a title. It carries the essence of what it is. And what I'm talking about today, I'm, I'm really breaking table. I, I want to break one table today and, and do it on camera so the world can know where I stand. And that's why I couldn't really coordinate my thoughts in terms of what God will have me do this morning. The meaning of Abba, Father, is source and sustainer. The meaning of father is source and sustainer. It is after the order of the father himself. Which means that he can birth something and he can sustain it. The, 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 the work there is not to just to birth. The work there is to birth and sustain. It takes capacity to birth and sustain. That sustenance is what I want to spend some time explaining. To sustain means to run a system that ensures that what was birth is able to reach to capacity. So that means you need to create a system around what is birth to ensure that it lives according to capacity as intended. If you birth something and you can't sustain it, then we can't call you father. What makes you father is that you can birth and you have the capacity to sustain. And the seed of sustenance is put inside of you because you are made in the image and the likeness of the father who has the capacity to birth and sustain. That's why you see him at creation Call this forth out of nothing and then put a system in place for those days to sustain what was created. Because so the separations and the putting this in place and putting that in place was so that what was birthed can by itself be sustained. So, when he decided to create the mailman, he put inside the mailman the capacity to birth and sustain. Which means 
in the DNA of the mailman is the capacity to birth not just children, anything, and sustain. How did he put that capacity there? He says we will make them like us. And they will have the capacity to have dominion and to rule over the systems. Why? Because when we create something, we have the capacity to sustain. It means to manage. It means to govern. It means to have dominion. It means to be able to look at that thing and create a system around this thing that ensures that it leads to capacity. So it was, it was, it was, it was, it was, it was, it was our spiritual father that came here and made that distinction. And I ran away with that understanding. That you are not just created in the image of the father, but in the likeness. And he said the image is identity, but the likeness you grow into. He said it right here. You remember that message? That, 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 that when he said in the image and the likeness of God in Genesis and all that, he said when he now moved to the second verse, he said he created them in the image of God, but likeness was missing. Why? Because you grow into that. That is, that, that is what the capacity you carry is unbundling that capacity is why you grow into the likeness. So by default, you are in the image of the Father. But that likeness is the uncovering of the dominion and the reality that you carry on the inside of you. Stay with me. I'm going somewhere. So when God decided to make every male looking at me here today, he ensured that you had the capacity to birth and to sustain. Not only were you given the essence, the reason why you are called father, because every male walking the earth is a father made in the image and the likeness of God. It means inborn in you is the capacity to birth and to sustain and to have dominion and to have leadership and to have rulership. It's there on the inside of you as spoken in Genesis 1.26 thereabout. So when he put him in the garden, that was the growing up into the likeness of the father because he said to him, govern this. And we see his capacity beginning to move out because he was governing it. He was having conversations with the father. And the Bible records that he had the responsibility to name all the animals. And if you look at the name animals were called, somebody had to have had the spirit of God inside of him to look at a lion and say, by your nature, this is what we call you. So either he imputed the dimension into them or he looked at them and could discern what they are. It just shows you that the man had the capacity. So when you have dominion and rulership over something, it means that you have a system that manages that reality and ensures everything is in order and ensures everything is going according to the original plan that God had in mind. Stay with me. What happened at the fall is the most devastating things that ever happened in humanity. The son of his father that was born with the capacity to have dominion and to rule and to create systems lost the dominion to somebody else 
and then realized that he found himself where he did not have the capacity to properly design the reality of that intent. The greatest loss in the garden when they did that was the fact that the dominion was handed over to somebody else. But how many of you know that the gifts of God are without repentance, especially because it's nature in terms of the DNA of the Father? So what Adam did now did was he did not know the purpose for the dominion. So he redirected the dominion and we created the chaos we have. I'll show you one verse and then I'll pick it up my conversation from there. Can you help me find that place where God was um, talking about the consequences of the fall? I think it's in chapter 3 there about where he was talking about, you know, because you have done this, uh, this will you do. Um, the next one. The next, I, I think 318 or something. Okay, so he started both thorns and thistles he shall bring forth for you and you shall eat the herb of the field. And yes, and I need 20. Give me 20. I think that's where I'm going. Yes. And Adam called his wife. No, I've, I've missed something. Can you go back? I'm looking for where he says that her desire will be for you. Yes, this is it. Then he says to the woman, I will greatly multiply your sorrow and conception in pain you shall bring forth. Your desire shall be for your husband and he shall rule over you. This is one of the saddest scripture ever recorded. There is a version that describes this place well. It says your desire shall be for your husband. If you read it that way, you will not get the meaning. What it means is that your desire will be to control your husband. It means your desire will be to manipulate your husband and then he will rule over you. Can I just stay here for a while? This was not the original design. Let me tell you what is happening here. Two God beings Two God beings lost the understanding of dominion and power and the capacity to create a system of design. And the first consequence of that was that they were going to use that power on each other instead of the fish of the sea, the cattle, and the earth. So, what was said was that the two of you will have dominion over the birds of the air, the fish of the sea, and all that. What they now do is they take that dominion, that power, to the next person. The woman was not an object of the rule. The dominion power and the dominion capacity was for managing the systems of the earth. It was not for ruling the woman. The woman would not use that capacity to emotionally manipulate the man. This is where the problem is. 
We're having a family meeting. Can I, can I just be comfortable? Globally, I'm on, I'm, on, I'm, I'm on stream. Globally, men are the most verbally and emotionally abused. That's the weapon the woman has of dominion. Globally, women are the most physically and sexually abused. That's what his own form of control is. So what the capacity put inside of you to run a system and to have dominion is diverted to the next person you're supposed to partner in with to run the earth. So all the thou shalt have dominion over is now misdirected to the person who is cohered with you in ensuring that thou shalt have dominion over the earth. So ever since that on, we have entered into this war of gender because this happened. If you read the original design in Genesis, there was nowhere the father said you shall rule over the woman. And there was nowhere that the Bible says that you shall seek to control your husband. So I, I submit to you that the greatest weapon of the capacity of dominion and rulership that they had was now misdirected to trying to see how they can take advantage of the next person. Once you create control and manipulation in the relationship, it's gone. Yeah. It's misdirected energy and capacity. So, so you have capacity, but it's misdirected. The, the intent was to govern the earth, not the next person. And once you do that, we have what it is. So to be a father... As God intended, let me take you back there again. The father was not ashamed to look at the mailman and say, the way I have designed you, you represent the essence of who I am. Which means that in you is this, 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 rule, that you, this rule that I put inside of you, this dominion, is for you to be able to run systems. And when I mean systems, the entirety of systems, science, family, rulership, governance, education, everything, the essence of this rulership I give you. Because let me say this here, God does not create an inferior version of himself. God cannot step down himself. So when he said, I will make you a helper to do this work, he was saying, I am creating another version of myself. He did not say I was creating a lesser version of myself. There's no way God can create something and it does not have the capacity of the Father. Which is why God himself describes himself with the words he uses. The word we hear for the woman there is the word Ezra. It's the Hebrew word Ezra. It means helper that is meat enough. And, and funny enough, God uses that word for himself in the Old Testament, 16 times. I will help Israel. We all know that when he was going to send the God, the Holy Spirit, he used the same word, parakletos, which means that... So, so let's just bury that conversation here, that the, the, the lady sitting next to you was created in the capacity of the Father, but differently. 
I'm, 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 let, us, let us shake some tables and get out of the way. So, so in this community, we understand that there is no lower being sitting beside you. Because God could not have created a lower being. God cannot decide that, okay, on Sunday I want to rest so I will not be at my best. There is no time God is not at his best. So when he was creating Adam and Eve, he was at his best. And he was creating extensions of himself. He was creating extensions of himself. Who carried the same capacity as he is? So at the end of the day, you find out that if you look at the man and the woman, what we have in place is God distributed into the two of them. You will find that same character and likeness. The two of them are carrying that capacity. So at no point are you looking for the one who is weaker. Why? They were created according to the design of the Father. Who cannot create anything lesser than himself. Are we on the same page? Because to do the work, to be, to be, to be, to be source and sustainer, he knew he needed that help dimension of himself. That's why he made sure that with these two, we have put inside of them God the Father, God the Son, God the Holy Spirit, and then together they can have dominion. Yes, sir. Are we still together? Yes, sir. So let me say this at this point. So when this fall happened, humanity began to design for themselves what they thought was rulership and dominion. And, and because they got to this place of rule and tried to emotionally manipulate each other, it means that it was, like I said, it was power and capacity misdirected. So we created a world where the woman became the victim of physical abuse and all sorts, and then the man also became a victim. Why? Because the two people who are supposed to be on the same team decided to use their most lethal and potent weapon on each other. But the scars are the same. If a man beats a woman, they put it on, on Facebook and with all the lips and everything. And it's gory sights. But when a woman looks at a man and says, your mates are talking, you are talking. You, you don't see the scar, but they are just as big. And if I may tell you, you can go to the hospital and they can do stuff to you. But when the scars are etched in the heart and the head, is this what your mates are driving? Are you not seeing what your mates are doing for their family? You literally whittle a man, grown man, down to nothing because of words. And they carry the same potency. They might not be seen, but if you sit down with most men who are going through dysfunction and you open up their heart, they're just as scarred as those things they put on Facebook. Let's have this conversation, this family. So in our own world, we go through a journey of this misnomer that should never have happened. And then what you realize is that once man lost the trajectory here, it just began a cycle of a dysfunctional world. And then what now happened is the fact that we got to a point where we could say that on earth what it means to be a man 
it's these seven things I'm going to call for you. That this is what it means for us to call you a man. So the world through history, through Genesis, looked at the male man and defined him and designed him to say, for us to give you approval that you are male, you must exhibit this character. So when we give birth to, you know, we go to the hospital and once he's a boy, we have already designed how it should be for us to call him a man. So we start from the typical, the color has to be blue. And the toys have to be guns and stuff. Because we are, we, are, we are crafting what this rule over you guys should look like. So we start them. And then we say, number one, for you to be called a man, for us to accept you in the brotherhood of manship, thou shalt obey law number one. You are superior to a woman. There is a subconscious and conscious understanding and mentality that we give boys that they are superior to women. It's just there. And I might like to give this example. Two, three, I think it was three, four years ago, a boy in one school somewhere on the island. There was this girl that came to their school and beat him two times. <laughs> to second place. And the boy was so upset, he went into the chemistry lab, took her feeding bottle, water bottle, and was pouring acid in it. Why, why would he be so... Why would he be so ashamed? Why? He has been told that to be beaten to second position by a girl is the worst thing that ever happened to you. How do you program a 11-year-old boy to have that mentality? It's because when, you, when, when they start to grow up, you, you, you applaud them for beating girls and you make them, you know, show their power and then you encourage them when they beat girls. So the law number one is thou art superior to the girl. So when you have a superiority mentality and you engage with every woman in your life, you will have issues because she's not inferior to you. So when you are in a relationship with a woman, there's a subconscious superiority mentality you carry. And they catch it and they know it and they show you. Because, because it's just body language, no matter how much you hide. So even when you go to a place and your boss is a woman and she's telling you do this, you give her that look of, I get your kind for house, but... If you had the guts, why don't you tell her? You'll be packing your load that day. So that's what he does to console himself. When he finds a woman he cannot control, he just gives her that look of, if no be office. Rule number two. Are you with me? Can I do this? Rule number two. They are our objects of sexual desire. So from a very young age, we bring up boys to how many can you do and how many are you doing. So, so we begin to honor the guys who, are, who can do more than us, you know, the player boys. So pornography sells and, and then once you meet a woman, you meet a body, you don't meet a person. So we have been trained to, to see her and then you just want to shake that thing, slap that thing, do that thing. You are not thinking of a person because you are already saying a thing. So in your mind, that person sitting beside you is a thing to bring you sex. That's why we have a perversion of rape globally, where boys will look at you and say, you can't be this fine, nobody's sleeping with you. So if you're not going to give it to us, we rape you. That body belongs to us. It was crafted for us. So you're meeting somebody and just checking dimensions. Ah, see the up, see the downs, interesting. And there's somebody standing in front of you who is intelligent and crafted. 
but you just miss the entire dimension because as far as you're concerned, you're not looking at the content, you're looking at the container. So a lot of times, we have this reality of not being able to stay faithful to people because we just want to use women. It's inborn. And, and civilization brought it together. And may I say this to you before we begin to go on one side. It is both men and women that created these laws. It is not just the man code because men sat down and wrote it. It was what society as a whole has accepted to be a man. So, so these things I'm talking about as well, if you don't exhibit it, women will look at you and say, what's wrong with you? Are you not a man? So, 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 when you, so, when you, so when you throw stones, come on, let's have this. It's family meeting. So when you throw stones... I'm, I'm coming. I'm, I'm coming. I'm coming. That, that, that's why I said we, we crush it today. Yeah, I, I came to just, you know what? Just came to crush it, you know? And trust me, I'm not, I'm not holding anything back. I'm not holding anything back. We're gonna, it's, we need to let them know where we stand. So number three, number three, you tell him that he can't cry, he can't show emotions, or else he's weak. So from a young age, you teach a boy what we call shelving. Shelving means your ability to keep shelving and not confront the issue. How do you tell a four-year-old to man up? How, what, what does a four-year-old know by man up. So, so, so you, you embarrass him for being normal. You say, why are you crying like a girl? Why are you talking like a girl? It is girls that cry like that. And then you look at your four-year-old and say, are you not that mommy's big boy? Why are you crying now? Are you like your sister? She's a girl. She's permitted to show emotions and cry. You are not permitted to because you are male. What you do with that is you shut down his ability to grow emotionally. That's why you find that you guys are more emotionally connected than us. It's not that we were born that way. You configured us that way. Now, I know this, this, this conversation is interesting, but make sure you get what I'm saying. And then so, he becomes emotionally underdeveloped, and then you have more EQ than we do. And then when we marry you, you tell us to open up. How? You, you shut down a process, a natural process at age four, five, six. Then he marries you, and then you tell him, yeah, I'm not just, you're not just connecting. I, you're not talking. How? How do you do that? You've had the luxury of talking all your life. Daddy will carry you, mommy will carry you. They allow you to cry and express that pain. Nobody gave us that same room. So how do you expect us to be able to connect like you can connect? So we have a lot of men who have problems in their relationships, not only with their wives and their children, because there's just no capacity within to emotionally connect. Yeah, very sad. I'm, I'm, I'm going somewhere. Then number four, you say to us that we need to perform to be acknowledged and credited. So the average boy, you, you always 
celebrate him when he does something. So when he does the next act, you celebrate him. When he does the next act, you celebrate him. You don't celebrate him if he's not doing something. You don't, you don't give him, you don't make him feel that it's, just, it's okay to just be you. So there's a performance-driven mentality you give boys. That they feel good about themselves only when they've achieved something. That's why we keep doing the next project and the next project so that you will like us and celebrate us. Even instead of you should just like us for who we are. So you have a performance-driven mentality. So every boy wakes up competing with himself and the world around him. Why? Because he has been told he cannot be loved the way he is. So that's why boys always try to outdo themselves. You know, you meet a guy and he just bought a car. Instead of meeting him, you are meeting the car. And you are asking yourself, what, what is the next model to this one? So that when you buy that next model, you can go and visit him and say, hey, how now? Just for him to see the car. So that's why once he finishes this project, he wants the next one. Why? That's the drug. If you yeah, I just got that. You know? He's like, so when he's done with that one, he's looking for the next one. Why? It's like a drug. He needs affirmation. He needs the sense of performance to, be, to believe in himself and he's done something. So that's why women say, why are you buying me gifts? Why are you setting this up for me? I want you not the stuff. But there's no way he can do that because to perform is the design. So to perform to make you happier with the externals is what he knows how to do. Lagbaja's wife is looking like this. Can I adorn mine like that? So you come home and adorn the woman, but the woman is looking for you, not the stuff. Whoa. We're, 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 we're going to crush it today, so might as well just do that. Then, then, then the next thing they say to us that you have to be able to live large and blow the cash for us to call you a man. So as a society, we respect people who have toys. We respect people who have toys. They buy bigger toys and we clap for them. So the bigger the toy, the more we celebrate you. It's a toy. But, you know, there are toys for boys, there are toys for big boys. So the bigger and the finer the toy, the more we applaud you. So everybody wants to buy a toy to be celebrated because that's just that's who we are. And then one of those other ones is the fact that, you know, if you don't have... Okay, can you stand up? If you don't look like this, then you're not a man. <laughs> Sit down, sir. So, so, let's go there. Let's go there. So, so in the, in the physical... There are lots of ladies who want to be like you right now, baby. There are lots of women out there who want to be you right now. So, so once they see that hunk beside you, I'm talking to you now. So once they see that hunk beside you, they're asking, how did you do that? And, and can I be real with you? You are just blessed here in GCC. If you go somewhere else, they will give you hell for this guy. Because according to what we know, this is how men are crafted. So people like me with my seven pack don't have choice. Then people like relax are not even on the scale at all. 
<laughs> oh God. So so they came up they came up with a word tall dark. There it is. So let's give it off our tall dark and handsome. <laughs> So, so, now, 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 let's go into the conversation. This is where I'm going. When you craft him in those ways, what you do is you pick either or and you take him off track. I'll take them one by one. I'll take the fundamental one. The fundamental one is that God does not do either or. He does both or more. That's why he's the lion and the lamb. That's why he said, give to Caesar what belongs to Caesar. Give to God what belongs to God. God is multidimensional. You can't hold him in one place. What they did, basically, in the craftings of how God wanted to be, God created us according to his design and his personality. Which is why, if I may establish again to you, God does not have a problem with the side of him that is feminine, that shows the love and the way he created the woman. That's why I said he will use the word Ezra for himself and then also allow himself to be called the multi-breasted one. To talk about the father I can provide. God is secure in the dual nature of himself that makes him both the lamb and the lion. You can't say you prefer one to one. They are both. What we have done over life is to make sure that we kill the lamb and we leave the lion alone. So what we have are lions walking around the whole earth called male men instead of them to be lion and lambs according to the original design of the father. So when Christ came to the earth, what he came to model was the lamb and at the same time when he needed to go and whip them, the lion came out. When he needed to endure the gruesome death of the cross, he didn't come down from that cross because he could. He he, he did. That capacity to just hold it together was there. And come on, he was a carpenter. You don't, you are not a weakling and go and do carpentry work. And the Bible says he was there for years. So he must have been built and had a capacity to carry wood and do all that stuff. Have you seen carpenters before? Those guys have biceps. That's the lion that you saw. And you also saw the lamb that said, let the children come to me. You saw the lamb that said, you can't condemn this woman. I declare her free. So you saw him doing lamb stuff. It was compassion that moved him to heal so many times. It was compassion that made him provide. How can you, these people came to listen to me. I don't have to feed you, but something inside of me says I have to feed you. So what did we do? We have reconfigured the man away from the original design that is lion and lamb. And we cannot say that the lamb is inferior to the lion. It depends on what dimension God is showing at what particular point in time. So one of the main reasons why we have men walking around the earth who cannot show the nature of God is that we've separated the lion and we've killed the lamb. And in many areas of your life, you will need the lamb. Why? Because we cannot say the lion of the tribe of Judah and we can not remove the fact that there's a lamb somewhere in there. We say the lamb that was slain before creation. We say the lamb that sits upon the throne. The lamb. That dimension is authentic. Can I say this to you? The title of my message today is called Arrested Development. What we did is to kill the dimension that touches the heart of God in the man 
and we allow the lion to just run free. So, he cannot be source and sustainer because a major element of that thing is missing. And then when you raise boys in the things I've just said now, you, they will dysfunction over time while you have removed an ingredient that will make him whole. The issue is the fact that you have many males walking the face of the earth, but you have very little wholesome men walking the earth. Why? They're not complete. And we as a society must accept responsibility for what we've done. He said, give to Caesar the tax created in the image of God. Then he said, give to God what belongs to God. What is created in the image of God? You. So give God you. Give Caesar his tax. Simple. If we remove the lion, that, the, the lamb dimension of God, we will not be here. It was, it was the lamb that decided that I will come and save them. That was the lamb dimension, not the lion dimension. So, I say this to say this. It is the lion dimension that carries the, the, the love and the nature of Christ when it comes to redemption and compassion and relationships. Once you kill that, we have a problem. So what, you have what I call arrested development. It is growing, it is developing, not whole. Or you have redirected the development to go an opposite direction where God is going this way. So there is just no way it's going to correlate. Why? Because something is designed to go this way. God is coming back this way. So let me make one statement that I want to make. So feminists are correct to be angry at men. The memo they didn't get is that you will be upset at fallen man. If you were to meet the original man, is on point. So you are angry at what we all created, and you should be. But when you meet those created in the image and likeness of God, you can't fault anything. When you meet a man created in the image and the likeness of his father, he carries the DNA of source and sustainer. Because he has the capacity to birth something and to make sure that thing becomes what God wants it to be. Do you understand where I'm going with this conversation now? That's why when I began to look at men's ministry as early as the, the, the early 80s, late 80s, one of the founding fathers of, of men's ministry, Edwin Lewis Cole, he's dead now, made a statement that has stayed with me and, and it's proof. He said, to be a male is the matter of birth. But to be a man is a part of choice or process. Every idiot, pardon my French, can get a woman pregnant. But it takes a father and a man to give birth and accept responsibility. What we have walking the earth are baby daddies and not men who have the capacity to birth and to sustain. Because why? We do not teach boys the very fundamental of where they need to be. I'm going somewhere with my conversation. The idea is to call out the men in this place to become the lion and the lamb. Let me tell you where the problem is. 
If men do not sit in their place, the world will become what it is. God did not find it upsetting. And I'm going there again to say this one will carry the capacity to birth and to sustain. God was not embarrassed to say, I share with you my nature that makes me birth something and sustain something. So in every man sitting beside you is the capacity to birth and sustain. Question, have you trained that capacity? I've done this research almost everywhere I teach men and teach families globally. I always get the same result. Let me give you an example here so all of us can know where we're going with. If you're a woman here, you're a lady, and you remember your mother making this statement to you that you better, I need to train you and teach you. I need to take you into the kitchen and teach you what it, becomes to, what it means to be a woman. So that when you marry, you will not go and embarrass me there. And your in-laws will be asking, what kind of home did you grow up in? Can I see your hand if you ever heard that statement? No, wait now. Give me a hand. If your mother ever said to you, you say, no, put the hand up now. I need to do something. Where is GCC? We, we obey instructions. Your mother ever sit you down and say that to you? Look around, look at the hands. Can you see the hands? Okay, guys, did your father ever call you and say, I need to marry, make sure you're a responsible man, so when you marry, your in-laws will know that I gave them a responsible man. Let me see your hand. Can you see the rest? Can you see the gap? Let's not even count his own. <laughs> that was a joke. One hand out of this entire room. Why? There is a mentality that boys will sort themselves out and God, men will figure it out. So, so, this is the issue. The person God has given the capacity to birth and to sustain has no intentional leadership, mentoring, and training process. And yet, he's going to marry another woman under his house, somebody's true daughter, who has a potential, who has a destiny. He's going to bring children into the world who have capacity and destiny. And you expect him to manage that process well without training. I don't understand. Yes, it's real. So you put on men a responsibility you have not trained them to handle. So when most women sit with you in counseling, they use words that should have been brought into children from day one. He's not accountable. And then the major one, he's not responsible. Those things are not things you become. They teach you. Yes, we hear that almost every day. It's not responsible. You can collect salary and blow it and decide that you, 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 know, you live by faith. There are six stages of, 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 of raising boys. Six stages. And I can reel them for you, but that's, that, it will make me jump out of I'm, I'm just saying that you, you cannot be created in the image and the likeness of God with that capacity to birth and to sustain. And nobody distrains that intentionally in you because you will have to birth something and sustain. 
So you have no capacity to sustain. You can just birth because that one is a natural process. Once you are 12, 13, you can, you can, you can become a father. But can you sustain? What makes us love and respect and honor God is, is the capacity to sustain us. That takes capacity. That takes energy. That takes strength. That takes wisdom. That entire governing system is the capacity we're talking about. Most men don't have it. Why? It, was, it wasn't trained. The potential is there, but it wasn't trained. There's no way you can carry potential and then you don't train potential. And that's where the problem is. And God was expecting that when Christ came to the earth, he, he would return us back to the original design so we can go back and say, this is the original design. We are fathers, we birth, and we sustain. But what have we done? We have created a Christianity where our culture. Outweighs the culture of the kingdom when it comes to lion and the lamb. So even among Christian circles, what I've just told you is the norm. Those seven things. Even among Christians. So the question is, to what birth have you been birthed to? To what culture have you been brought into? If we do not bring men back to the lion and the lamb, we're in trouble. Why? That is the original design. So what we have is arrested development. The potential is there, but it cannot grow. Why? It's arrested. Why? You have killed the lamb. And then you have made him dysfunctional by default. Why? When you are dysfunctional, you, you war against your original design. Yes. <laughs> to be dysfunctional means that you cannot live to full capacity. Why? Because your entire life is running against your original design. Wow. So when you train somebody to be these seven things I said, you are going this way and God is going this way. They can't meet. So you will just be a male walking the whole earth Locked up in you will be the capacity, but you don't could do anything. Why? Because there's a system that has programmed you to go the opposite direction from what God is saying. That's why we sit down with men and we do mentoring for years. Why? To change the conversation. It normally takes three years to disciple people. So we have to sit down with you and start the process. When a father is not at home. No, let me start from the top. Our role is so critical. We need to find the woman who compliments us and then give her space to express. The fundamental thing your wife, your son, your daughter is looking for is love. That's why God at baptism showed us the design of what a father is. If you can go there for me. When Jesus was being baptized, I want to show you Four core areas that a father is important, and I'm going to link it to wherever we find ourselves. Is this good for you? So God was modeling for us what fatherhood was, and then he said to him, and a voice, this is my dearly loved son. He said this many times to Jesus because he knew he was going to have a problem with one problem. Who do you say you are? We can see you, we can't see the father. You must be a bastard. So God had to repeat this conversation a couple of times. This is my beloved son. Beloved means that the very foundation of any child's life is love. When a father is not there to give a child love, 
the dysfunction starts from there. Question is, somebody that has been told that he can't be vulnerable and he can't love, where will he get the love from? So even from a very young age, we are buying our children gifts and we're not loving them. Why? Because we have absconded the role and the place of a father to our wives because they are the ones that can go for PTA meeting. They are the ones that can go for inter-house sports. You don't even know anything about your children. Why? Because you have been designed that the fundamental thing you should give a child, love, should not be there. And the fundamental thing you should give a wife, love, is not there. He says, dearly beloved son. And like we normally like to point out, this was said to Jesus before he did the first miracle. So which meant that he was loved, not because he performed. It was love, basically. You see, once a child is born into your house, you must love that child. Either you like that child or not. A child must not do anything to earn your love. You must give it by default. If your child has to now begin to cajole you to love him or love her, there is a problem. Love is unconditional in a marriage setting. You must give love. It's default. But the problem is the males we are giving birth to have not been shown love, so they can't give what they don't have. And yet your wife and your children need love as a fundamental. And you have been told that love is, a, is what you should not give. Why? Because it makes you vulnerable, it makes you weak. So your son will go out and look for love and join the gangs and be lured into stuff. Your daughters will give free sex because they're looking for love. That's, that's what they do from a very young age. Most of us who found ourselves in that situation, you are looking for someone to just say you are beautiful, you are, you are this, you are that, you are all that. But we never gave it to our daughters. We never gave it to our sons, so they go out. And many of us don't even give it to our wives, so they have affairs. Let's have this conversation. Yeah. Why? So, so all of a sudden, the gardener that begins to say, Madame, you're looking fine today, becomes to look interesting. <laughs> the driver who begins to notice that her hair is nice today begins to get attention. Why? Because the man is too busy to give stuff. And what you don't know is the fact that there are predators out there who know what to say, when to say, how to say, where to say it. And then you dash them free sex. And then you now discover that they run off and they didn't give you back because they can't stay. They just primed you and took sex away. So you find a lot of young girls in eateries being offered a meal they can provide it by themselves. And they're going to give sex in, the, in, in return. I normally tell people the equation is not the same. I give you something that is not me. You give me something that is you. It's like the chicken telling the pig, let's go and help the farmer. You get the joke? You will lay eggs to get eggs. They will kill the chicken to get pork. So when you say, let's go and help the farmer, the pig will look at you and say, eh, you will lay eggs, you'll still be alive. For them to get pork, they have to kill me. So, so is, that's what women do when they give sex. He gives you something. He gives you a car. He gives you something immaterial. You need to give body to get the same thing. So the exchange equal is not the same thing. Yes, 
This is my beloved son. It's my son, identity. My son. Because the problem was going to be, whose son are you? They asked him what you like. So he now told them, dearly beloved son. So I'm giving him love is my son, identity. He's not a bastard. He's my son. And then he said, in whom I'm well pleased. Validation. To validate your wife, to validate your son, validate your daughter. Many men don't even know what their children are good at. You can't even discover. And even when they, when they, when, when they discover it, you, you can't invest in it. You're not there. You don't give that child validation. You don't tell that child you're good. You don't tell that child you're special. You don't tell that woman you're special. So, so at the end of the day, you find a reality that they go outside to get the validation and, they, and then they trade there to validate your own people, to let them know they are good. Many of us fathers, it's people that tell us, ah, your, your son can draw, you don't know. <laughs> they, they, they give you feedback from children's church, your child can sing. Is it not living in the same house with you? <laughs> they begin to do discovery of your own giftings for you. Even your wife too, they tell you, ah, your wife is good at this. I say, hey. You're absent. You're emotionally absent. You're physically absent. Why? You're trying to buy the next toy. So, so we, have, we have put delicate people in your hands, but you can't manage the process. Why? You haven't built the capacity. Even though the capacity is there, you have not built the capacity. And then there's a person that says, listen to him, which means that I endorse him. Why do you guys always insist, even at primary school level or nursery school level, why do they insist now that when you are doing graduation, your parents must be there? So that when you are receiving that award, you can see the person that matters the most clapping for you. It's a simple question. If I was going to give you the highest award today, today I'm going to give you the highest award, and in the crowd is the president of Nigeria and your, your father, which person getting up to clap for you would make more sense to you? We can decide to vote. If it's a vote matter, you can decide to vote. Okay, so which one will make more sense to you? Your father? Let me see. Your father? Thank you. Mr. President will make more sense to you. No, there's, there's allowed to be one exception. We have one exception. No problem. But at least you can see the majority. Or we have a defiant camp here. Not an issue. Yeah? <laughs> oh God, come on. Which is why, which is why, you know, when you come to church, different things happen to you. You understand? Every time Pastor Zach stands here and says, I have a grace to call out the identity and to reintroduce that to the ladies here, I cry where I'm sitting down. Because there are too many women out there who are looking for identity that should have been given at home. Yeah. Either where they are coming from or where they are living right now. But they don't have it. it. It needs you to come to church for somebody to look at you 
and call you, oh, arise, oh, daughter of Zion, and say that you are blessed and you have stuff. You should hear that at home. And also hear it here. But many of you don't hear it at home. So when Pastor Jack does it, cry and snort everywhere. Because women have not heard them all through their life. What should have been said at home? Immediately you are born into a home. Why? The man did not know what's responsibility. He has been programmed to be the lion in the house, but not to be the lamb. Why? We have equated being a lamb and to love to weakness. The average man sees vulnerability and the possibility to love as weakness. So he would rather die than love and be vulnerable. Meanwhile, so he kills the lamb dimension and releases a lion to the entire earth. And that's why the world is what it is. When you give back to a boy child, understand that one day he will be a man with a wife, with a son, with a daughter. What kind of leader do you want him to be? How do you want him to treat your daughter-in-law? How do you want him to treat somebody else's daughter? So capacity is just lying there. I have a mentor who says this to me. He said, we live Below installed capacity. Let me say that again. As men, not the ones here, we live below installed capacity. The capacity to sustain is there, but we live below it. Why? Capacity needs to be called out and built. So make sure when you give back to your male child, love unconditionally. Don't make that boy begin to do things to earn love. Second thing you teach a boy to be accountable. Start giving him things. That thing I gave you, where is it? That thing, account for it. Where is it? I gave you money to go and buy something. Where's the change? To be accountable. To know that the system will hold him accountable. You can look at our leaders and everything and see the kind of accountability we've created. Story for another day. You teach him accountability. Third thing you teach him to be responsible. Just, just tell him you are, you are going to be the one to handle this. See how he does it. Teach him that at an early age. It's a, it's a battle, I know, but the earlier it is that, you better. And these things are things you teach concurrently. You don't, it's not when he gets to this age. You start age appropriate. So you teach him to be responsible. This is your only two. Give him. This is your only two broom. You are going to sweep from here to here. Even if the broom is taller than him, give him the broom. Let him start understanding that you need to be responsible. And you need to be accountable. Because so that when he grows up, he knows that people are watching him and the system is demanding him stuff. All right? And then you teach him to be responsible. That is one word we hear a lot now. Someone just gives birth, gets somebody pregnant and asconds. Jadano. <laughs> then number four, you teach him how to be independent. Just allow him to solve some problems. Even if he's going to fail, just allow him. Just allow him just, just figure it out by himself. How, how does he do that? Give him little, little tasks. Just leave him alone. And don't crowd him. Just, just allow him to do whatever he wants to do. You cannot go back and say, you should have done it like this, you should have done it like this, done it like this. But just allow him. Allow him to, to go and do a sleepover. You know, pack, pack his, his stuff. You know, do a list for him. These are the things you are going with. Please try and make sure 50% comes back. Do <laughs> a list. He, he will try his best to make sure at least the percentage. So he knows to be independent. Then he asks his host, so how was he? You know, did he sleep on time? Did he obey the rules of the house? Allow him to begin to, 
be a man of himself to see how he can be independent and he can do things, he can do that. You know, boys camp, different things, sleep over here, responsibilities and stuff like that. We don't have those kind of things, but that's where you teach boys how to be independent. All right? Then number five, you, you introduce him to relationships. You know, in those days, those of you who grew up in the East, that's one thing. You see, our culture, you know, you can't throw away everything away. They have this thing called age groups, age groups, age grades. That's where a boy learns how to, you know, connect with other boys, how, how to do things together in a group, how to have responsibility at a group. The, the Spartans have what they call their goge. They, they send you there to go, and if you watch 300, you know what it is. They send you there to train you to be to, to a warrior. But then at the end of the day, what you're picking there is how to build camaraderie. That bro thing we talk about, you know, how to connect, how to you discipline yourself. You know, within the brother, when one guy, one guy swab, we take him there, slap him in the foot and bring him out again. We have these words, we have this way as men. I'm not saying slap anymore, but I'm just, just letting you know that at that age, you, 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 you know what it means to not to misbehave. You know what the, the age grade is demanding for you. You must be responsible. You must be this. That's why you, you build that thing where he begins to connect. Then after that, you allow him to, to reach a stage where he can sit down and ask questions about life, where he can craft his own vision, can craft his own vision. You know, you, you ask your son, you know, who are the people you admire in the world? Why do you admire them? Tells you, I like Pastor Zach before she's this. I like, you know, anybody, Nathaniel Bassi or whatever, Obama, whatever. You know, just, okay, what do you like about them? This is what I like. What, what, what do you want to be? Then he tells you what, what, what he wants to be. And then, you know, you have, him, you have him craft out a vision statement for his life. You know, that he looks at and says, this is who I want to be. This is how I want to be. And then he does that. Then the, la the la final stage, you teach him how to serve. You teach him, you know, so the NYSE thing, before that, you, you begin to introduce your son to serving. You know, make him volunteer in church or something. Make him go somewhere where he can help them sweep, do stuff, so that he doesn't build a selfish nature. He knows that there's something about him that should serve humanity. Those are the six things you give boys that make sure that when you train them, then you have in your hand somebody who understands what it means to be a boy and leadership. It's a simple process. So, as I close, what I came here to say to the men of GCC is that you can see that I, I really wanted to teach about the kingdom. <laughs> when, when, when pastor asked me to teach, I was already in my mind crafting out a message around the kingdom. Because you know I love, I love talking about the kingdom. Yeah, I love talking about how the systems work. I, I, I was looking forward to coming here and, and letting you know how we, we, we come from a dominion mentality and how we have a garrison mentality and a dominion mentality and we begin to create structures of engagement. And how those structures of engagement means that we enter into the mountains and then we begin to do that. I wanted to start talking about the difference between an ecclesia and a kuriakos. That was what I wanted to do. But as I left church that day, God said, you're not going to teach that. So we're going to go back and talk about fatherhood and the fact that we need to get it right. So let me say this to you, GCC guys. I am work in progress. I was dysfunctional. And when I'm with my friends, I tell them I'm a recovering dysfunctional male, building relationships towards where God wants me to go. 
So if you look at me and expect perfection, no. I also wasn't brought up with this thing. I was brought up by a, by a married single mom. You get your code? Yes. yes. The man was there, but the woman was the father and the mother at the same time. So, so I grew up not learning what I'm telling you. So what I'm told you is when I began to ask questions and God took me on this journey. So even me, myself, I'm still tracking back to say, where can we start? If you sit there in my chair, they tell you, I'm not a perfect father. But, but the difference is when they come at us and say that all men has come, we tell them no. There are some of us who have embarked on a journey of recovery. There are some of us who want to go back to that original design of source and sustainer. There are some of us who are not giving ourselves excuses. We are going back to say, where can we make amends as a husband, as a father, as a mentor, as a leader? We, we've started that journey. Because why? This is what I'm trying to say. You carry capacity that must be used. You carry capacity that God requires to be used. There's too much in your hand not to live at capacity. You can't, we can't continue to mess up the lives of women and the children God brings into our life. It is not the design. Why? Because from day one, we can, we can birth and we can sustain. That capacity to sustain is there. So, 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 so our, our women will not join the conversation. That all men are useless and all men are caught. It can happen out there. And I'm thankful I'm on camera. But here, no. We wrestle ourselves. We will make sure the kind of men that get out of GCC are the kind of men that God wants to see on earth. So you will tell them that your case is different. The mentality is that all of us just sleep and put face one side. There's nothing like that here. Here, we are emerging into the image of Christ who wasn't embarrassed to be a lion and a lamb at the same time. That becomes our reality. That becomes the perspective we are talking about. So we challenge ourselves that all those seven things they've told us about what it means to be a man, we come into GCC and we go through a process where we drop them one by one. Where we, we, we program our minds to say the men here will love. The men here will be vulnerable. The men there will be there for their wives. The men here will be there. That's why I keep liking that song we wrote. Never again with our boys. Never again with our girls. That is the culture here. And that's what I've come to confirm this morning. That, that the relationships here. Yes, come on. We are going to do it. The world might have a different experience there, but we will have a different experience here. We, we insist on a different experience here. I just want to appeal to you guys. Now, this is me talking to you, my final moments. What you need are mentors. One of the reasons why you guys don't come out to say this thing is stigmatization and shame. And then thirdly, you don't have a support group. That's why pastor does man up. That's why all that fellowship after fellowship with after church can also be used for conversations. Men are afraid to open up. Men are afraid to, to say because they think you will look down upon them. That's why we, we just don't say stuff. We don't ask for help. But here you should be able to ask for help. Who is superior to you here? Who is better than you here? I'm making friends in GCC that are amazing. People are teaching me great things here because I'm humble to learn. 
and I'm enjoying every minute of it. There's some great relationship here I'm building and I can't trade them for anything. And there are people I sincerely ask in GCC, I don't know that thing, can you teach me? And they look at me like, Oga, as old as you are, I don't know. Yes, I don't know. I'm Nicodemus. As old as you are, you don't know these things. Yes, I don't know. Can you teach me? I'm not ashamed to learn. We must stop shaming men who need to learn and unlearn. Yes, sir. When you create shame as a system, men will not talk and they will die in. Yeah. We don't want men committing suicide here. We yes, don't sir. want men going home and feeling helpless. There's yes. no knowledge you're looking for that's not here. Yeah. And that's why I like what we're doing. Pastor Corey is mentoring a lot of young guys here. Pizak is mentoring a lot of guys here. I mean, track the other guys. There's a one great guy you have here that I just love so much. His name is Aaron. Awesome guy. His heart is so open. Kai, amazing. And there are many of him here. And there's this one point I must, I must say. Let me just digress and come back to this point. GCC, let me speak to you. I've watched women, not men, some men, but I've watched women come to this place and share testimonies of the kind of love and care they receive from Pastor Obi. I dare say that you might not find many people that you can compare to that. Yeah. Pastor Obi is a man. He's not a woman. Yes, but yet you women come and give testimonies of love and care. Oh. That's the lamb. Yeah. And every man can be like this is what I came to say to you. Pastor Obi just had a mentoring that allowed the lamb to live. Can we have more men allow the lamb to live here? Is my conversation. He didn't drop from heaven. Somebody raised him in an environment that made it okay to love and care. And I've been a benefactor of Pastor Obi's love and care as well. That man is just awesome. So the question is, Pastor Obi is not supposed to be a standalone star. So all of us men will learn up behind Pastor Obi and say we will hold on to you. Teach us what you know. Because we need more women giving testimonies of Pastor Obi, Pastor Zach, Dejirawo, and, and even this, this guy here too as well. <laughs> Relax reminds me of myself a lot. That's how we connect. I'm just one kettle of fish. I don't know how God manages with me. But, but the issue is that what you see in Pastor Obi is not a gifted per se. It is in every man. Is what I came to say to you today. What are you discovering? What are you mentoring? That's why I said, you did not, the capacity of the lamp is there, but we did not bring it out. So they bring us up, not to allow that dimension, they allow us to allow the lion to go, and they leave the lamp there. And the lamp has responsibilities for the rest of your life. Can we allow the lamp in us to come out? Can we allow the Christ nature? Christ was, he came to the earth, and he showed us what it means to love to care, to sacrifice, and to be strong. He was strong when he needed to be, and he loved when he needed to be. So please allow the men in your lives to cry. If you watch me worship, you will hate me. I just roll on the floor, cry, do stuff, because it's just who I am. Absolutely, madly passionate about God. When I discovered that dimension of me years ago, I made enemies. So what did they do that guy? They package inside, they roll on the floor, they cry up and down the open. What's he do? Not only him, offend Jesus. People wanted me not to be vulnerable. And that was what started my process of being able to love myself, love the people around me, because I, it just allowed me to be vulnerable. 
allowed me to be myself. They allowed me to love. How can we be giving such precious people like you women and our children and we don't have what it takes? And then, in closing, I will say this. I've sat in men meetings for the past 10 years of my life globally. And I sit down with men and I ask them, what is the one regret you have? And many of them will say that my father never told me he loved me. That my father never told me he had confidence in me. That many men are still there today trying to prove their father wrong who is dead because the mother was never there to say this. That's the wounds. No matter how strong and macho they are carrying, they are looking for a father who will say, well done. They are looking for a father who says, I have faith in you. Yes, you can do it. That's why when they find mentors like Pastor Zach and Pastor Cody and every pastors here, they latch onto you with life. Why? Nobody ever told them that. Because the man at home did not know it was his responsibility to tell them that. We can't allow that cycle to continue. What do we call strongholds? Strongholds is wounded men passing that wound down the generations. So by the time you come into the earth, you know, there's a stronghold that has entered into your life from your generations to come. Why? It just started from there. But what do we need to do? We need to start a process where we can allow our men to be who God wants them to be. The capacity to birth and to sustain is inside every man sitting next to you. Can you allow us to express it? Can you allow us to open it up? Can you allow us to give it expression? So that at the end of the day, we will be made. That's why God was not embarrassed to say, you are my son in whom I'm well pleased. I made you Abba. So I go back to this point I want to drop with. You can't join the women out there to say the things they say. The fact that men are failing does not mean that God's original plan is not the plan. God, if you find a man who is living in capacity, you will find a man who sustains stuff. You will find a man's man. And our society has a few of them. Those are the kind of men we want to be. And those are the kind of men we want to build here. So at the end of the day, all I came to say is, can we stop this cycle of arrested development? Because what will happen is that the potential will be there, but the capacity to become will not be there. And what we need to do is to make sure that the capacity is discovered and the capacity is built and we create an environment, a non-judgmental environment around men that allows them to live. So ladies, can you just allow your guys to talk? Can you be strong enough to talk? One of the reasons we close up is because the fear of being judged or the fact that why are you crying like a woman? He will never say anything to you again. Or when he asks for help and you say to him, your friends are doing this, you're asking for help. We are not human doings, we are human beings. And because we are supposed to grow in the likeness, it is a process. We did not come with the image and the likeness like that. We came with the image, but we mature into that capacity for likeness. So can you be a part of that journey with us and see us become all that God wants us to be? Please, I beg you. Thank you.